Remain standing and let me uh, lead us in a conversation with the Lord. Lord Jesus, you are great. You are the greatest. We're honored to be here in your presence, to sing to you and to sing of you, to seek your face and to hear what you have to say to us. So as we praise and thank you for the worship service that we have just experienced, and the kind of prayers we have prayed and asked you concerning desperate needs in our nation. So now, Lord, I ask you to take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I want to ask us some questions here, very serious questions. And I ask them in the context of our history as a nation, the amazing foundations of this nation that were laid back in the 1700s, the kind of constitution we have, the moral fiber of the nation, all of it driven by knowledge of the Word of God. Men and women who were willing to lay down their lives for a different kind of nation. But sad to say, in the last 30 years or so, things are headed in the wrong direction. Away from God, away from our heritage, away from the whole Judeo-Christian foundation of our moral code, our jurisprudence, our philanthropy, even medicine and education. The lawmakers and our lawyers and our Supreme Court as well. Making decisions counter to everything that our heritage would have said was right. Here are the questions. And these are 13 questions concerning the abortion issue. Number one, how can it be in modern, educated, sophisticated, and compassionate America that we have women in the streets screaming for the right to kill their unborn children? How can it be? Number two, how can it be that Planned Parenthood fights for the rights of teenage children in our schools to have an abortion without the notification of their parents, when in fact in our schools a nurse cannot even dispense an aspirin to a student without parental consent? 
How can that be? How can it be that the Supreme Court would use an anti-racketeering law to stop legal protest and legal counseling of women on their way into an abortion clinic? Number four. How can it be that many church-going Christian people are pro-choice, which is pro-abortion and therefore pro-death? Number five, how can it be that liberal Jews, whose identity is rooted in the Holocaust, that is the millions of Jews slaughtered in the Holocaust, how can it be that they are pro-choice and therefore pro-death of innocent, defenseless children in the womb? Number six, how can it be that a church-going president of the United States would veto a law banning partial birth abortion? How can that be? Number seven. How can it be that older Americans, as many of us and including me, the gray power, for their own economic survival, listen carefully, do not protest the millions of aborted babies who would otherwise grow up to be tax-paying citizens? How could that be? Do we not think? Number eight. How can it be that we do not realize that violence in the womb only encourages violence on our streets? Life is cheapened. So, number nine. How can it be that we do not recognize that when you cheapen the value of the unborn... You cheapen the value of all life. How can it be, number 10, that we do not recognize that a suppressed public conscience will callous the conscience of all of us to the indignity being done to human life? That's what we've become. Virtually a calloused, indifferent nation. How can it be that condoms are not only made available to school children who are not yet legally of the age of consent, but that condom sale dispensers are being placed in our schools? Number 12. How can it be that in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, it is a criminal act to kill a baby in the womb if violence is being done to the mother, but legal to kill the baby by abortion in the womb by the mother. So number 13. How can it be that in compassionate America we have to make a law so that doctors will tell that abortion is painful 
to the baby. In the same way, as I have said, that we're asking those questions against the backdrop of our heritage. As a nation that says, in God we trust. That not only pledges allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the, this one nation, but also pledge allegiance to Almighty God. How can it be, is the question. And so as I've asked the question against that backdrop, so I want us to consider now against the backdrop of the scriptures that we had read for us from Psalm 55. If you look at page 6 in your service sheet, that will bring you to the passage that was so well read for us and gives us some answers as to how we need to respond in the face of and against the backdrop of the questions I've asked. I've asked those against the backdrop of our inheritance as a nation, our heritage. Now I'm asking that we read these scriptures in the light of those questions. Because it often seems to us as though we are against the tide. As if we're trying to stop a tsunami tide washing over this nation and we are one lonely person standing on the beach trying to hold it all back. As if we're against a gale force wind or a hurricane coming right at us. And we as one person because that's how we're left to feel. Well, just a few of us are willing to stand and stand against that storm. Well, these scriptures point to the answer. In first place, verse 16, Psalm 55, to call upon God, to call out to our God. To spend time praying to him, beseeching him. Just as we prayed those prayers earlier in the service, take the service sheet home. Use those prayers as part of your own devotional life. Put them up on the refrigerator. Put them in your Bible. Put them on your desk. Pray for our nation. Pray against the wickedness that we have been discussing to come before God and pray but I call to the Lord verse 16 and the Lord saves me verse 17 evening morning and noon the reason it's got that order is the Jewish day begins on the evening of each day so their Sabbath day begins on Friday evening and ends Saturday evening so here is David writing and he's got that in mind evening morning and noon I cry out in my distress and he hears my voice and David is doing so because he is as we are not the same issue different circumstances 
but confronted with a wave of evil and wickedness, and his first stop is to go to God and pray. Now the issues aren't the same, but I'm taking this same confrontation that David has with evil to call upon us, men and women, to stand against the evil of our day, recognize it for what it is, recognize how helpless we are in the face of it, and go to Almighty God and speak to Him. Look at verse 22, which really is the central verse for our conversation together out of this reading. Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. The God who created you will sustain you. The God who brought you to newness of life through faith in Jesus will sustain you. Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. So it's the sustenance of God, the sustaining power of God that we are looking for. Bible actually teaches that God not, on, God not only created us in the first place, this is Colossians chapter 1, but that He sustains us. He holds it all together. That's in the first place. Secondly, for those of us who are aware and confronting the evil, maybe you, like I have, have been against abortion for years. You've gone to Washington and marched. You've endeavored to vote in pro-life candidates. You've spoken up. You've given your money. You've been in line to help serve. I'm so proud of a church like ours that is so pro-life. That we have people like those who've just stood here. So you've got Amy. For those of you who are visiting who are not, or are maybe not even that clued in. Mrs. Muganis, who was standing here introducing Amy, Rebecca Muganis, she's a member here. She's belonged here for years. She's married and a mother of about a half a dozen children. So she needs prayers. I say about a half a dozen because, you know, when they keep moving, it's hard to count. I'm proud to be of a part of a church well like a Judy Pitlick who came to faith here some years ago she came to faith because her daughter in college who was visiting here came to faith and then she with her husband came to faith and then got involved in ministry working with these teenage moms young unwed mothers and she leads that ministry here and recruits for it, helps mobilize, raise funds, and leads the whole campaign to comfort and counsel with and be there for these young mothers. In the face of that wickedness, to have God come and sustain. Keep on keeping on. Keep at it. Don't give in. You know there was a day when slavery was legal and defended by the Supreme Court in this country. You know that, don't you? And that was changed. And we are ashamed of that history. 
And one day we will be ashamed of the history of a Supreme Court that has endorsed abortion on demand and we have become so acquiescent to the culture around us which goes along with that because it's now legal. I have been to Jerusalem any number of times and there is a Holocaust museum in Jerusalem. It's lined up an avenue with trees with the names of those who laid down their lives fighting the Holocaust. Trees dedicated to Corrie Ten Boom. Some of you will know that name. That name is at one of those trees. Her sister died in a concentration camp. And they were in concentration camp because they were against the slaughter of the Jews. And they were hiding them and protecting them and helping them escape. One day, there will be outside our Supreme Court a monument similar to the one that stands outside of the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. The one there is called Yad Voshim. And it's a contorted, large mass of steel. And it will be standing outside our Supreme Court as an act of repentance against the abortion law that has seen so many young people killed in the womb. That will happen, God willing. And you and I standing against the tide and constantly being there, on the job, praying and bearing witness to God's righteousness. Look at what it says here about God sustaining us and keeping us through this. Verse 18, He ransoms me, that is, buys me back, brings me back unharmed from the battle waged against me even though many oppose me. And by the same token, because God is against the wicked, he hears them too, and their smooth words. Verse 19, God who is enthroned forever will hear them and afflict them. Men who never change their ways and have no fear of God, that's who it's speaking about. And it goes on to speak about my companion who attacks his friends and violates his covenant. His speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn words. And the desire and need that we have to keep on keeping on. God can support and comfort us even when we feel betrayed by our courts, by our churches, by the popular media who use such clever words to keep on keeping on. God can sustain us. Our cause is just. And we don't stand alone against the tide and in the face of the storm. Jesus stands with us facing that same tide, facing that same storm. And those smooth words, the sorts of things they say, you know the arguments. I just read in a magazine about a chap who was born 
out of a rape situation. He was the child of the rapist. And this is a huge movement he's got now going, as I understand it, because he's part of the 1% they use as part of the 10% they want to destroy. He said, I'm fed up with it. I think you probably know, and he's spoken publicly to it, our own now student, young youth, leader of young adults in this church, Jamie Kendrew, is the product of his mother being raped. It's amazing how they use these minority circumstances to protect the majority of abortions. Smooth words. Who wants a child raised in poverty? They ask. Who wants a child raised with drunken parents? Ask Amy. Who wants a child raised in a world where violence is all around? Who wants a child raised from the womb of a mother when all the doctors are saying, that baby will be born deformed? Let me tell you, those smooth, oily words from people who appear to be your companions, whether at work or in your family, or in your neighborhood, or in your church, they're a betrayal of their covenant. Their covenant to follow Jesus. Betrayal of a covenant to honor the law. Of doctors to honor their medicinal vow. The Hippocratic Oath. For all the allegiances people have ple pledged going into office to deny the rights of others to the pursuit of happiness and the life of economic growth and development. Take one woman who's already had 13 children. She and her husband are poor. And she finds herself preg pregnant with number 14. What would you say? Protect the 13? Why raise that child in such poverty? Get rid of it. Well, let me just tell you whom you have condemned to death. John Wesley. That great hero of the awakening in the 1700s. Describes his circumstances perfectly. Back in uh, Ocean Reef, chap who's part of my golf gang down there, that's where I was the chaplain up until this Christmas sent me this email, a most unlikely guy actually. He never expressed to me any kind of faith, but I was the chaplain. He sent me this email and it's called Pam's Story. I read about a woman named Pam who knows the pain of considering abortion. More than 24 years ago, she and her husband Bob were serving as missionaries in the Philippines and praying for a fifth child. 
Pam contracted amoebic dysentery, an affection of the intestine caused by a parasite found in contaminated food or drink. She went into a coma and was treated with strong, strong antibiotics before they discovered she was pregnant. The doctors urged her to abort the child for her own safety and she was told that the medicines had caused irreversible damage to her baby. She refused the abortion and cited her Christian faith as the reason for her hope that her son would be born without the devastating disabilities physicians predicted. Pam said the doctors didn't think of it as a life, they thought of it as a mass of fetal tissue. While pregnant, Pam nearly lost their baby four times and refused to consider abortion. She recalled making a pledge to God with her husband, this was the pledge, if you will give us a son, we'll name him Timothy and we'll make him a preacher. Pam ultimately spent the last two months of her pregnancy in bed and eventually gave birth to a healthy baby boy on August 14, 1987. Pam's youngest son is indeed a preacher. He preaches in prisons, makes hospital visits, and serves with his father's ministry in the Philippines, and he also plays football. Pam's son is named Tim Tebow. The University of Florida's star quarterback back in those days became the first sophomore in the history of college football to win college football's highest award, the Heisman Trophy. Now he speaks from a larger platform. He's just been hired by ESPN as a sports commentator. Lastly, and just in closing, the Lord will provide for the mothers, dads, families that choose life. You see, what we've just heard are reasons, soft, smooth, subtleties, why people should abort their baby. The reason they should have their baby is the life is sacred. It's God who created that baby in the image of himself originally. And it's God who will support that mother and the ensuing family by taking care of that child. God will not let us down. And when we stand, as I said earlier, facing that storm or that tsunami, Jesus stands by us facing it with us. If we turn our backs, then we turn our backs on him. Jesus Christ is the author of life, the sustainer of life, 
and the one who makes it sacred having died on the cross for that life as he has done for you let's pray together shall we let's talk to the Lord cry out to him seek his face seek his assistance seek a change a sea change in our nation in our courts most of the people marching this Wednesday will be young people the tide is turning in this nation and the opponents know it and more fiercely oppose come and join us march with us keep on keeping on bear witness to what I've said that most of the folks doing the marching will be younger adults and students well Lord Jesus we turn our faces towards you we cry out for our nation turn the hearts of the fathers again to their children Turn the hearts of those who have authority to the unprotected, the defenseless. Turn the hearts of us believers in you, Lord Jesus, toward the cause and grant us courage to stand for you in the face of the opposition. We are crying out to you, Lord. Forgive us our cowardice. Help us, to, help us to take that first step of boldness in the right direction. And feel you put the wind in our sails to take us further. And God grant that one day this nation will again agree that the life in the womb is a sacred gift. We pray this for your namesake, Lord Jesus. Amen.